Hello, and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode 136 for the week of December 6, 2021. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. And this week, we'll be helping folks new to the fandom figure out what the heck is going on with Eurovision selection season. How's it going, Ben? It's good. Uh, And like, this feels like the perfect time to talk about this topic because selection season is starting? Yeah, I mean, we we have our first song. How we ha- like how? <laughs> yeah, did did it is still December? Yes, it is still December. It's barely December. Yeah, just getting right into it. Uh, Bulgaria and like, come to think of it, like all of this happened between like when we recorded our last episode. Like Bulgaria announced that Intelligent Music Project would be their act, and this past Sunday they dropped their song Intention. Yeah, and like I was shocked with that because they they announced the band they announced the sound the song title so i was like okay cool they're gonna just like throw that out there into the universe and then we'll come back to it in a couple months when they finally drop the song but no uh they're dropping the song now I feel like there's always a few countries that sort of look at, oh, this is what won last year, we're going to send that. And that's what this feels like. And I feel like I wasn't expecting that from Bulgaria. I'm not surprised that there's a rock entry already in the mix. And I agree that we are probably going to have a few more than usual. This one, like, it is it is a departure from what Bulgaria has been doing the last few years, which is kind of disappointing because Bulgaria has really been going all out. Yeah, they've been going all out and they've had their finger on the pulse. And this doesn't feel fresh in the same way that what they've been doing has felt very of the moment. Yes and no. Like, it, it just looking at the national finals that have uh, taken place the last couple of years, there's been a lot of, like, dad rock entries that either, like, burn out in the semifinals or may get to the final, I think. Uh, Melfest has had at least one dad rock entry in the last couple of uh, finals. But yeah, like this feels like the only way that a dad rock type song is going to get to Eurovision just by like having an internal selection process. That was also my mental reference point. Like this is the dad rock entry that's part of every Melfest. In- Intelligent Music Project was just like when they dropped the press release, there's like this is a rotating super group of rock musicians. Admittedly, I don't listen to a ton of music in this particular genre, so me reading through the press release, I'm just like, okay, you can just name a band Richie Blackmore's Rainbow, uh, because that's where Ronnie Romero is from. He is fronting this incarnation of Intelligent Music Project. One of the musicians in uh, Slavin Slavchev, uh, he won X Factor Bulgaria, and in terms of Eurovision connections, one of the drummers... This band has two drummers. Uh, Stoyan Yankulev, uh, he represented Bulgaria in 2007 and 2013. So there's a lot of ingredients in this group. Another reference point that came to me while listening to this song is that, so just thinking about uh, Stereo Gum's number one series, we're currently just getting out of sort of the late 80s into the moment before grunge drops. We spent some time with sort of the hair metal phase of things. And this feels like... For the hair metal groups that are still together and still releasing things, this is what they're now releasing in, like, 2022. Mm. Is, is like, if you're coming to a Motley Crue album in 2022, you're you're wanting something kind of like this. That, or it's like, yeah, it sounds like the late 80s. It doesn't feel particularly fresh to me. There was something about Monoskin's 
take on rock that felt like they were doing something new and pushing things forward, even though it was very classically rock in a way that this is missing whatever that secret sauce is. This does have that sort of Bon Jovi, whatever their most recent album was. (laughs) We'll have a few months to kind of sit on this one because the deadline's not until March. So who knows? They could revamp this. They could decide to send something else or they could stick with this and just have a really strong promo campaign. Yeah, Bulgaria's thrown down the gauntlet. I I guess. It's just such a weird choice to release this song now to me. I have a theory on this. Bulgaria's broadcaster has a very tight budget, and I'm wondering if there just happened to be some money left over for 2021 that was like, use it or lose it by December 31st. So getting this out the door now allows them take advantage of that and then have the full budget available for next year when they actually have to promote this okay i'm fully speculating but yeah i would i would buy that this feels like when a movie gets released in february because we're all busy watching the oscar movies that are that are now in wider release so it's we can we can sort of slide something under the radar yeah i uh went to see house of gucci uh, a couple weeks ago and watching the trailers and it'd be like okay you can tell which ones they think have oscar chances because they're just like coming in december and the ones that's like oh this one looks interesting oh february 7th nope so just like oh no (laughs) you had me until the release date like what (laughs) what is chris pratt voicing in this one anyway uh (laughs) so we have our first of 41 songs yeah the process is getting started before we dive into sort of all of the other selection season happenings that are afoot uh i thought it might be nice to to check in with everybody's favorite rock band monoskin what's monoskin up to the place i was not expecting to see them was the grammy award nomination ceremony that happened a few weeks ago because all of a sudden i was watching that as just sort of lunchtime amusement waiting to see is monoskin going to get a best new artist grammy nomination uh they are not spoiler alert but uh they did show up they gave them the classical categories to read the nominees for i want to know who was in charge of who was reading the acts because those were some very wordy categories And it was very rude to a group where English is clearly not their first language. Like, they were having some trouble. I wasn't able to watch it live, but I had my phone next to me. And uh, when you had tweeted that out, like, just getting all of the retweet notifications, like, oh, either something really bad happened or something really awesome happened. (laughs) 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 Oh, but yeah. And then, like, they've also been making a lot of TV appearances. They uh, showed up on Ellen. And uh, last week, they were the guest performers on the live shows for The Voice. Uh, They did a medley of Began and Mamma Mia, which um, that's a pretty good platform. Like they're they're hitting all of the NBC highlights. Yes, just like all of the big NBC shows to, to see and be seen on. Between the voice performance and the Grammys, I'm wondering if they packed like one too few suitcases for things because there there is some mixing and matching happening, which I, I'm very delighted by. Yeah, uh, Damiano's outfit on The Voice, he was wearing a singlet while everybody else was wearing like these kind of white, frilly, very fashion forward outfits. He really kind of stuck out in a weird way. And it's like, oh, I wonder if it was laundry day and he just kind of ran out of time Uh, (laughs) or ran out of quarters or something. I don't know. With all of the year end lists coming out, Began was number 10 on Spotify's top 10 global songs of 2021. 
that's pretty neat and then like i saw some of the other analytics and it amused me greatly that like Began and mama mia and i want to be your slave are doing numbers in the u.s and then zte buoni which was when i opened up my spotify wrapped this year was blasting mm-hmm. like the second i opened up, like okay cool yes i'm apparently one of the only people in the u.s streaming it because that one is doing no numbers for the u.s compared to their other songs Following in their footsteps uh, could be one of the 22 acts that were announced as competitors for the San Remo Festival next year. And uh, there are quite a few Eurovision alumni that are in this list. Eva Zaniki uh, from 1969, Gianni Morandi uh, from 1970, Massimo Ranieri from 1971 and 1973, people that we would be a little bit more familiar with, Emma, who competed in 2014, Fabrizio Moro, who was uh, half of the duo in 2018, and Mahmoud is coming back from 2019. That's a really good mix. And then uh, a lot of familiar faces are rounding out the field as well. So everybody was super, super excited when the list was announced on Saturday. And yeah, it almost feels like a tournament of champions type setup for yes. San Remo. <laughs> San Remo quarter quell edition. It was also announced that uh, the hosts for the Eurovision Song Contest will be announced after the San Remo final, which is scheduled for February 5th. As somebody who has been meaning to get into San Remo the last couple of years, it sounds like this might be a good one to start with. Also, uh, seemingly Tournament of Champions E is Melfest this year. A lot of ESC alumni on the docket there. Those include John Lundvik, who represented them on a Bergendahl, always a strong competitor there. Uh, and Robin Bankson. So like plenty of known entities there. And then there's also just a lot of familiar faces, especially if you've watched a lot of uh, Melfests. Clara Hammerstrom is making her third consecutive appearance, which is sort of a new thing, because like I think there used to be a rule that you could you had to take a break after two years of of subsequent performances. I also thought that was a rule. Maybe that was just kind of like a an informal sort of, yeah, not not written down, but sort of respected thingy. But yeah, maybe not. I personally got excited when I heard Clara, and then it was Hammerstone, which I'm like, okay. I did like her song, and I was surprised by how well it did, but I was hoping for a different Clara. Especially with Modiskin winning, I'm like, how is Sweden going to sort of pivot? And like, I thought that could have been an interesting way for them to go. But you know what? We're still going to have a lot of interesting stuff in the mix. Yeah, I don't know. Looking at the full Melfest list, uh, does not appear that Sweden has really pivoted at all in that regard. <laughs> like, so it is like Sweden's doing the sweden thing so well we'll see how long that works so <laughs> san marino also announced their artists for their national selection which is una voce per san marino 84 acts in the emerging artist category have reached the casting round so they will have auditions and there's an academy element to it uh, eventually that uh, list of 84 acts will get whittled down to nine, and there will be nine established acts uh, that will be competing in the grand final, which is scheduled for February. So details about that are slowly coming together, but uh, yeah, another new process to watch. Yes, the most serene of new processes. Yes. <laughs> Sticking with what they have been doing the last couple of years is Norway. Uh, Norway is doing another six-week Melody Grand Prix starting January 15th. For semifinals, a second chance round. The final, uh, they have a max of six people on stage. Business as usual from the last couple of years. 21 acts total, 
five auto qualifiers, four acts in each semifinal. All of the songs are dropping January 10th, which is that that part is new. Uh, they they had been doing sort of a week by week thing, but I'm kind of glad they're giving us everything. I am too, uh, mainly because like Norway. I mean, you you know how angry Norway's process makes yes, me. Is, is, <laughs> so is, I like, feel like they love just sort of stepping on their own feet in the process of getting this together. This year's Melody Grand Prix was very frustrating because we could just have been done in in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm I'm excited to see how they continue to refine that process, even as it does slightly frustrate me. Just I want the best for you, and you keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the part that I'm most interested in is the limiting to six people on stage, because there's usually one entry each year that looks like the dress rehearsal for ragtime. Uh, just, <laughs> and yeah, like like I think the old maximum was 25 people or something. Which is like, wow, that that is a lot of people to have on stage. And like they still did that last year, even when like you shouldn't have that many. When you people shouldn't have that room, many people in the so. studio. Yeah, but the, it it sounds like they're trying to get more in line with how Eurovision's running things. Although it's not like the six people on stage thing is all that new. So <laughs> but see, yeah, it's like it's not like that's what's been holding Norway back the last the last few years is they've had too many people on stage during their national final. That'll be happening in January. Happening right now uh is Slovenia's Emma Fresh process. The way that Slovenia does their process is they have their emerging acts portion of their national final Emma conducted mostly online. This year, they're doing a somewhat elaborate double elimination tournament. So each day, like Monday through Thursday, they're having a two acts will duel. The winning act will move on to a final that's held uh, over the weekend. The losing act will uh, go to a second chance round. So it will be four competitors in the weekly final. Three of them will move on to, will complete the qualifying round. The fourth person will end up going uh, to the second chance round. They do that for four weeks. And then uh, the second chance round will happen where it's broken into groups of three. And the winner of those battles will will complete qualifying. And then there's going to be two televised semifinals in January where it'll be 7x one night, 7x the other night. The winner of each of those nights will move on to the Emma final, which will be held in February. A lot of process, but I'm kind of intrigued by this process. Listening to you describe the process, I wanted to find the person who came up with this and make them explain it to me by writing it on a whiteboard so that halfway through they would realize how complicated a thing they've made. They did a good job on the Emma Fresh homepage. They have like okay. the bracket all kind of mapped out. You can get the gist. You can follow the. It is a flowchart of sorts. It, it feels so. like a lot of. It feels like a lot of process for two slots in a final. But you know what? It also sounds like a lot of great televised content, which broadcasters are looking for right now. So I mm-hmm. get it. Yeah, and uh, it's twenty four songs and twenty four acts that are just trying to make it in this world. You that's what's yeah. So. Like that's 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 nice. Everybody gets a, everybody gets a little bit of a spotlight. So there mm-hmm. we go. Yeah, and it's not a one and done thing, which I I think that's the part that I like about it. Yes, yeah, I I like that it's double elimination, yeah. Albania is moving along with Festival Ikengas. The songs are out, and and our Spotify playlist is starting to form. So Estonia, Albania, and our Master Selection Season list can be found in our Spotify profile linked in the show notes. But Albania, Albania's ready to go. Are there any favorites, do you know? I haven't had a chance to listen to the full field yet, and there's only a couple of the Albanian songs uh, on Spotify. At oh, the that moment, is always but, the problem. Yeah, 
it's a little slow to get up on there, which is kind of surprising because uh, a l- number of the returning acts like uh, Castro Zizo and Marood, they have established profiles. So it's like, why, aren't, why isn't your new song up on there yet? Come on, come on. <laughs> so like, I'm really excited to hear what they have to offer. But, yeah, looking forward uh, to that competition, which is uh, still scheduled for December 27th. The last selection thing that we're talking about for this week's episode, Czech Republic. Uh, they are doing their online selection process once again. They have seven acts that are competing. The songs were made available on Monday, and everybody gets to vote in it. Uh, there's an international jury. The Czech public gets to vote, and everybody else in the world gets to vote as well. So uh, we will have a link to all of those songs in the show notes, so uh, you can have a listen and we will know who the winner of that will is a week from Thursday. Wow, that's a lot of stuff that's happening in December. Come yes. on. <laughs> yes, like I was going to say like I I'm very glad that we ha- we are sort of taking a step back and sort of re-explaining the basics of Eurovision for anybody who has decided that this is the year they're going to get into it because oh man, there's already so much stuff happening and that can feel overwhelming. Yes. I don't know about you, but anytime that I talk about like doing this podcast or mentioning anything about Eurovision with somebody who like just does not know anything about it, they're just like, oh, what is Eurovision? And that question always catches me off guard. It's just like, how do I explain this in 15 seconds? I was about to say, I'm getting closer <laughs> to having a tight five, but... but Yeah, I've, I've stopped bringing out the PowerPoint presentation, so the, making progress. But so the purpose of this episode is to just give a very high level overview of what the Eurovision Song Contest is and what a year in the Eurovision Song Contest looks like. We're going to try not to get into the minutia of things. That's kind of what this podcast is about. So if this intrigues you, please hit that subscribe button. To answer the first question of what is the Eurovision Song Contest, the Eurovision Song Contest is an international song competition where each participating country submits a song to be voted on by the other competitors. It started in 1956 and was originally a way to test out the capabilities of live international broadcasting in post-war Europe. Getting to the actual competition, each country has a jury and a public televote. The jury will give out points uh, to their 10 favorite songs, and the public will do the same. The song that receives the most points at the end of the night wins, and the country that is represented by that song will have the opportunity to host the next year's contest. So, for example, this past May, Italy won Eurovision with Monoskin's Zitti Buoni. This means that Italy won the right to host the contest in 2022, and it will be held in uh, Turin. As we've discussed, Monoskin have crossed over to American pop culture with uh, their cover of Beggin, plus a few follow-up singles. And this is highly unusual, but extremely awesome that this is yes, happening like it's, right it's now. been like a real weird like second half of the Eurovision year, just because typically we're not following up on the continued exploits of the group that won. Right. Yeah, like I, at this point, I'm just like waiting for Kelly Clarkson to cover them on her show. Oh, that would be amazing. Uh, so, yeah, like <laughs> she's so good at any at any of the covers. But like, could you imagine? I'm ter- like, would it be "I Want to Be Your Slave" or "Mamma Mia"? Probably "Mamma Mia." Oh, I really want to hear her cover of "I Want to Be Your Slave," though. Uh- <laughs> I mean, I want to hear her cover of "Zidi Buoni." Yeah. So, what are the rules of Eurovision? Uh, again, very high level. Uh, Songs must be original works with a maximum length of three minutes. All performers must be at least 16 years old, and there are a maximum of six performers on stage. And that includes backing singers, dancers, 
unicyclists, butter churners. Look these up. I am not making these up. So. <laughs> these are things that have been on stage. There, there's, uh, there's also a song that's just about the tropes about things that often appear on stage. Songs may not be overtly political and need to be broadcastable for a general audience. So, you know, generally G or PG content. And uh, the definition of political is um, vast. Is that a good word? I was (laughs) going to use hand wavy. Or, or it's sort of like that one definition of pornography that you'll know it when you when you see it. Even then, it's still kind of like eh, shrug emoji. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just big shrug emoji for that part. But yes, each country's broadcaster determines the eligibility in terms of how they select their song, the nationality requirements for the people participating in that song, any language requirements, and what commitments they are expecting from their contestants. So they may require that everybody involved is a citizen of their country. They may recruit somebody from abroad. It could be in English. It could be in one of the uh, national languages of that country. It could be a language that is constructed solely for the song that is submitted that year that has happened a few times and it can also be a combination of languages there are there have been songs that have been very multilingual well yeah and like just talking about selection method like as we were seeing as we were walking through what various nations are doing you have bulgaria this year who has done an internal selection versus all of these other nations that are running selection processes some of which are one show some of which are six-week processes Right. And it could also be a combination of processes. Like they may select their artists, but then have a contest to determine their song or have a contest to pick their artist and then choose a song later or use a show like X Factor or that country's version of Idol or The Voice to determine their artist. So there's a lot of different ways to going about it. And it's the broadcaster that gets to determine that. The countries that get to participate are located within the European broadcasting area, and they also have to be members in good standing within the European Broadcasting Union. That explains why, like, Israel, not really a European country, gets to participate. Israel is within that European broadcast area because airwaves do not recognize political borders. Australia is a more special case. They participate as invited guests uh, because they have been super fans since the 1980s. Like they started broadcasting the contest, I want to say 1983. And like it's on at five in the morning and there are people who are obsessed with it there and they play the game like they they play to win. So they, they take the contest very seriously compared to other countries that may not take it as seriously sometimes. So. Yes, but, but, <laughs> but much like a vampire, they do need to be invited. Yes. Yeah, so that explains like why why some countries are participating and others do not. Uh like technically the Vatican could participate because there there is a radio station there that has EBU membership still waiting for their debut entry. Send some Gregorian chant. Yes. All right. So, in terms of what the Eurovision year looks like, September 1st is the official start of the Eurovision year, uh, and that's in terms of song eligibility and just kind of general logistics of the contest. Uh, the host country usually announces their what city they've selected and the venue that, uh, that will host the following year's contest. Ones that are really on top of things, 
like may even have the ticket situation figured out and know what dates they're going to start selling tickets and making them available to the public. Around this time, the participating countries declare their intent to compete and they can start preparing their entry selection process, deciding if they're going to do that internal selection or if they're going to have a show or whatever combination of uh, of that. A final list of participants uh, is usually released in early October. Uh, This year, there are going to be 41 countries that are competing, Uh, but they do have until sometime in mid-December to kind of pull back their deposit before it's non-refundable. As far as we know, all the 41 that have indicated interest will be participating in May. Selection season generally starts around this time. Typically, it's like Estonia and Albania that get kind of a head start on the selection process. For whatever reason, 2022 is starting very, very early. Like, Just, yeah, everybody's real excited. There's a lot of things that are going to be happening in January. That's usually not the case. But yeah, well, yeah. To compare things to the American political model is I tend to think of Albania as the Iowa of selection season. And this year is unusual in that we have a couple other countries that are selecting before Albania does. Albania, I tend to think of as that's going to be entry one, just because Festival Ikengas always happens around Christmas. In general, this is just kind of like the gearing up phase. Uh, In January... Uh, the host city, uh, in this case it will be Turin, uh, will host an organizational meeting, and that is when they will allocate the positions for the semifinals. So of the 41 countries, Italy gets to go to the final automatically, not just because they're the host country, like the host country automatically gets into the final, but they are part of a group that is known as the Big Five, which includes uh, France, Germany, Italy, Spain, and the United Kingdom. Those five countries provide the most financial support for the contest. So uh, they've been given a special status that allows them to automatically go to the final. The other countries, uh, in this case, the other 36 countries, uh, have to be allocated to the two semifinals that'll be happening uh, prior to the grand final. The countries that need to be allocated are put into uh, six or seven different bowls, and they are drawn at random and assigned either the first half or second half of the first or second semifinal. That allows for a little bit of planning, sometimes a little bit of strategy, although I don't see that as explicit uh, in how countries choose their songs. But yeah. th- you, they will know uh, when they will first compete, when they need to arrive in Turin, when their rehearsal schedule is. And it's something that the fans can latch onto and start making spreadsheets and all sorts of fancy charts and stuff. Exactly. So- we love a spreadsheet. <laughs> yes. And then I, I, it might also be worth noting that like, the the countries aren't putting those bowls at random. There is some stri- there is some strategy that goes on to try and s- separate out countries that tend to vote from one another so that they don't all end up in the same bowl. There's a lot of data crunching that happens both like officially and in the fandom. This is very much a sport, and there is a money ball aspect. I, I feel yes. to your vision. Yes, is, yeah, is that we we think of it as the song contest, but also there's a lot of very sports number crunchy stuff that happens. If you are a data nerd, Eurovision is for you. So <laughs> this allocation will happen, and. The countries won't know their running order just yet. They'll just have a vague sense of where they will be in the lineup uh, uh, after this drawing. Uh, In February, that is peak selection season. Uh, That's when you're going to have most of the shows uh, that are selecting the uh, various entries. Those typically happen on Saturdays. 
yeah, the broadcasters aren't really coordinating with one another because why would they? They're like, <laughs> why, why would Portugal care when Finland does their thing? Um, so uh, you may hear the term Super Saturday uh, applied to any Saturday where there are five or six shows that are all happening pretty much simultaneously. This is prime time in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. So it would be like 8 p.m., 9 p.m., like local time in Europe, which is really handy for us in the States. That's like 1 p.m., noon, 2 p.m., uh, depending on what time zone you're in. Yeah, so, just like peak laundry folding hours. It's great TV. Yes, yes. And I mean, it's also the middle of winter. What else are you going to be doing? So <laughs> It's cold outside. Stay in your house. Watch some Norwegian TV. Yes, yes. And these shows are going to be like conducted in their country's language so you may think like why would i want to watch that but they are music competitions mm-hmm. at their like core you, so yeah you like, don't you know you know how american in, idol works yeah so. So you don't need to be fluent in estonian you just need to be fluent in reality television and specifically like competitive music reality television and a lot of the songs are going to be in english and and music is the universal language sometimes so <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So uh, you have your selection season, like the bulk of it happening in February. It goes officially into about the second weekend in March, uh, which is when the head of delegation meeting happens. And that is the submission deadline. Each country needs to submit their song, their artist, and a music video that can get posted on the YouTube channel. They can revise the music video uh, after that deadline, but the songs and artists are pretty much locked in at that point. March and April is what I like to call wild speculation season. This is when a lot of the promotion is happening for the entries. Uh, Back in the before times, there were lots of uh, fan events and concerts uh, that would happen. There was a Eurovision in concert that would happen in Amsterdam. Uh, Moscow had a pre-party. Moscow would have a pre-party. Spain had had a pre-party for a few years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Israel... uh, London. Yeah, yeah. So uh, just events that are happening all across the continent. The people competing would uh, go and perform at these gigs, like perform their entry, sometimes perform other songs as well, depending on how how wide they're Who's hosting, how how loose the format is. Uh, Yeah, hopefully those events will be coming back. Uh, There have been virtual versions uh, of that the last couple of years, which were a lot of fun. Uh, (laughs) But it's just it's not quite the same as like everybody being in the room together, you know? Yeah. During this time that like this is a major fan engagement opportunity. And sometimes it's going to be the first time that you hear some of these songs truly, truly live and can go, oh, or can go, oh, no. Once May rolls around, that's when rehearsals for Eurovision begin. Uh, Rehearsals begin two weeks before the main event. And yeah, it's just a marathon session of uh, the acts competing in their running order. Uh, The running order is usually determined by the producers at the end of March, beginning of April. Eurovision will drop uh, snippets onto their YouTube channel of how those rehearsals are going. So you can see, oh, like, are they using pyrotechnics? Are they having video displays? Like, what what does the staging look like? And just really fueling the wildness of the speculation. Mm-hmm. And then the week leading up to the grand final, there are eight different live shows. There is the dress rehearsal for the first semifinal and the jury semifinal when the jury casts their votes for uh, the songs, which uh, happens on Monday. Uh, Tuesday would be the live TV semifinal, which is when the public gets to vote on the songs in that semifinal. 
uh, that Wednesday, dress rehearsal and jury semifinal. Uh, and then Thursday is the second televised semifinal. Uh, 10 songs will advance from each semifinal. So 20 songs plus the uh, five big five auto qualifiers. Plus, uh, if there's a host country that's not part of the big five, they will also be in the mix. So it could be a running order of 25 or 26 countries. Uh, the acts that advance from the semifinals will draw which half of the grand final they will perform in. And then the producers will determine the final running order uh, once all 26 uh, positions are known. And yeah, the big event will happen on a Saturday. And all 25 or 26 songs will perform, and the jury uh, casts their votes on that Friday night. The public gets to cast their votes after the last performance on the live uh, TV show on that Saturday. Then we get to watch all of the accounting happen and see all of the points distributed. And whichever song gets the most points at the end wins the Eurovision Song Contest, and their country gets to host, and the cycle begins again. So yeah, it's it's a lot that happens in a single year. And as it turns out, especially when the act then goes on to somehow become famous in America. Yes, yes, which again, uh, un- unusual. but Very unusual, uh, yeah, because like, typically I feel like <clears throat> once you've won Eurovision, we don't necessarily hear from you until you pop up at next year's eurovision debuting your new single and like i'm very excited to see what monoskin uh pops up with because they've been having a great series of singles yeah i mean i actually had the thought yesterday it's like oh i really hope eurovision like locked in like when they're when monoskin's going to perform because they might they might end up getting double booked or something (laughs) and there's a lot of stuff that happens between now and may and that's kind of where our podcast comes in like we are keeping track of all of the different selection shows and the selection shows most of them are on publicly accessible websites just streaming online like you don't have to go into the dark web uh very rarely do you need a vpn to watch these yeah and it's a great way to just kind of hang out with people on twitter uh on a saturday afternoon a great revelation i had this year is that so many of the networks now have their own apple tv apps so i just have like a little folder on my apple tv marked europe it's just great every every saturday i go to europe and i and i uh click into what's happening and i think even the ones where they typically have a region lock on some of their content will unlock their selections i think because they know euro fans do get into this stuff and do want to see this Mm -hmm. yeah and it's also like a really fun opportunity just to see how other countries do broadcasting Mm -hmm. and uh particularly the ones uh where there are commercial breaks like that that is everybody's favorite part of uh festival congress i think is like like the sexy therafluad that's in albanian yep yep yeah like uh I i remember last year uh people were upset because the official youtube feed was just a general feed so in the commercial breaks they just had like the albanian broadcaster logo and <laughs> the uh albanian twitter account was like okay here's an alternate feed with the commercials but there was like just this undertone <laughs> here's, of like, here's a weird feed of commercials you weirdos <laughs> it's like no we want the full we want the full watching albanian television experience but yeah if you have any sort of interest in what does tv look like in iceland or what you know how does broadcasting work in you know in latvia mm-hmm. uh, it's a great way to to dip your toe into that 
Yes. And you also get to see some of the entries that just do not make it to the Eurovision stage because it's only going to be 41 songs. But like right now, we are close to 100 songs that are up for consideration just from the four countries that have released music at this point. Like, I mean, there there are going to be several hundred songs that do not make it to Eurovision this year, but there could be some delightfully bonkers performances. Uh, yes, and months. if you like messing with Spotify's algorithm like I do, and, and just having like a real weird Spotify wrapped, it's a great way to do that. Uh, I'm getting really excited for 2022. I don't know about Same. It. So, yeah. <laughs> but until then, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thank you for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is hosted by Mike McComb. That's me and Ben Smith. That's me. Show notes and links are in the description of this episode and on our website at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to contact us, we're at eurowhat on Twitter, or you can email eurowhatpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the EuroWhat on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. If you'd like to support the show, we're also on Patreon at patreon.com slash EuroWhat. Next time on the EuroWhat, we take one last look at this year's competition and the class of 2021.